Hey everybody, Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast brought to you by Built Bar and BuiltBar.com. Go to BuiltBar.com right now, use promo code LOCKEDON and get 20% off on your next order. On the show today, Corbett Koslack joins me to talk about a whole host of things. We start off talking about the newest free agency news with Kevin Gosman and Marcus Stroman. We then talk about Major League Baseball's award shows and why they're not on nights where there's nothing else competing with it. Then we talk about the awards that have already been given out so far and give our reactions to those. Finally, we give our picks for MVP, so you guys will be able to see if we were correct or not when this airs. Hope you all enjoy the show. Always a great conversation with Corbett. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Three, two, one. Hello, everybody. Friday edition today of the Locked On Nationals podcast. I am joined by Corbett Koslack, a good friend of mine. We're talking about awards today. And so we're going to do this. We're going to talk about the awards that have been given out. MVP obviously is coming out uh, on Thursday night. We're recording this on Thursday. So we're going to talk about the awards that have been out and then give our kind of final picks for who the MVP is going to be in each league. Corbett, how are you today, first off? I'm good. Just getting up and getting around. So it's the fresh early morning here. For me, anyway. uh, it is raining here on the East Coast and it's delaying the Masters and it's upsetting me. So uh, we're dealing with that right now. If you guys, you guys should watch the Masters this weekend if you're not because there's no baseball to watch and there's not going to be any college football to watch apparently either. Uh, so that might be the, the right course. Um, but going with baseball, obviously free agency stuff is happening. Um, before we get to the awards, I want to get your thoughts on a couple of those things. Marcus Stroman and, and Kevin Gosman both uh, accept their qualifying offers, which in my opinion was smart for both of them. I did not see Kevin Gosman getting uh, much more than that specifically because he had the one really good year. And I think that much money for Kevin Gosman is quite an accomplishment. So kudos to him. And then for Marcus Stroman, a smart call. I think after hearing what Steve Cohen said, there's a very real possibility that if he pitches well, you know, and not, not even like an elite elite level, the Mets want to resign him and we'll give him a solid chunk of change after the season's over. It's a good decision for two different reasons. One, uh, Kevin Gosman getting 19 million. First of all, they throw 19 million dollars around like it's nothing in Major League Baseball, but there's two different reasons here. Kevin Gosman won because, I mean, to make 19 million dollars in the season is quite an accomplishment for a relatively middle of the road pitcher. And Marcus Stroman on the opposite end of the spectrum, if he just bites the bullet and just makes 19 million dollars this year, he can turn around and, and, I mean, he's got, he's had Cy Young stuff in the past, turns around, he could make 203 million dollars in a contract next offseason if he's just healthy for for a year and pitches like he can. So I think they're both on the right side of taking that for two opposite reasons. Yeah, for Gosman, it's like, you know, he's only 29. I think he's 29 or 30. Feels like Kevin Gosman's been in the, in the MLB for like since I was, you know, 12, right? I mean, that guy's been around forever. Finally has a really good season, but you're unsure of it because he pitched for the Giants and, you know, if you send him to a more high leverage market, you know, how does he do? And um, I think for that reason, you know, keeping him under contract there was a good good move for both parties, right? Kind of low risk situation for the for the Giants because it's only one year, and then for Gosman too. I mean, you're gonna make a solid chunk of change, something that you'd probably make in a two or three year contract, two or three year span. And oh yeah, you've got a chance to prove yourself. Also too, regardless of the outcome this year, unless you have some catastrophic injury, you're going to get another contract. Same thing for Stroman too, right? I mean, he's going to get another contract. Even if his ERA is like 4.5 this year, Marcus Stroman's still going to get a contract after this one if he's healthy for another team and probably be paid somewhat well too. 
Marcus Stroman and Chris Archer, I'm not convinced they aren't the same person because they, they're the, it, it's the same story every year. And I know Chris Archer didn't pitch last year, but a lot of it's like, okay, what can they be? What can they be? What is his stuff? Like, what's the ceiling? Although they never actually realize that ceiling, they're going to keep getting paid for their ceiling. Uh, it, I mean, it works out great for Marcus Stroman. And then for Kevin Gosman, like, we can sit here and, you know, he's Kevin Gosman as much as we want. But, I mean, if he catches lightning in a bottle one more time. And, and next thing you know, he's going to be the one signing a hundred million dollar contract. So, I mean, it's really, he's like you said, he's 29 years old and in major league baseball, it's what you can put on film as far as, um, I mean, what, what, what numbers are you going to put on the back of your, back of your baseball card next year? Because if he's, if he's as good as he has been for that one season, he could easily lock up a, a nine figure contract. So it'd be interesting. I mean, Chris Archer, you talked about him dropping off. Marcus Stroman's been nowhere near that. You just, I mean, like, I know it's he's not lights the, out. They're paid and re, and recognized like top five pitchers in baseball when they just frankly are not. So that, that's well, Chris Archer's, yeah, Chris Archer was pay overpaid. But I, I mean, Marcus Stroman at this point in time, I think for the team that he's with and for the situation he's in, that's a damn good contract for him. That's a damn good. I mean, that's in the middle of pandemic when we're about to see. I mean, they, I mean, and, yeah, and, and take what, are, I mean, what are you expecting you with the other happen. free agency numbers? Because I'm expecting some, you know, we saw a lot of guys like I've been saying this a billion times, but Colton Wong was a great example of a guy who, you know, the team, you know, Cardinals decline as option because they think, hey, we're probably, you know, we could probably pick up Colton Wong once again for a cheaper price. You know, there's the, the there's an idea that the market, except for the big guys, right, your Real Mitos and, and your Springers is not going to be as good. Yeah, they talk about, you know, they're trying to, to fix, I, I re, redo the market to where they're not paying out, you know, like crazy for these middle-of-the-road players. And that's that's a gray area because it involves some sort of collusion on the on the major league, on the team side to say, hey, none of us are going to pay Colton Wong that. So then, right. you know, go back to the Cardinals for whatever. When, you know, two, three off-seasons ago, someone would have given Colton Wong $20 million coming off of winning a gold glove. And it's just... It's interesting to see them try and rewrite the market, especially when that downturn in money is really a one-year problem. Like it's not like they're going to maybe, next year. maybe you don't but know because you far don't as know. Attendance goes. I mean, the, the, right. whenever people get back to being in the seats of major league baseball games, money will not be the issue, right? Um, unless they keep deciding to release, you know, awards in the middle of elections, then <laughs> that, <laughs> that I mean, we're you know, yeah, yeah, you want hey, hey, you want Rob Manfred complaining about Mike Trout not being a star. How about you don't talk about him? How about you don't hand out the awards to your star players? You know, do, while, while Jake Tapper is telling me who's winning Nevada, please. Cause the, you know, it's like, Oh, I don't give a shit about that. I, I didn't watch one second of the silver sluggers. Did you No, Cause we had an election going they, on. Like, we're in the middle of it and you're getting, Oh, Donald Trump won Alabama and Joe Biden took Delaware and Javier took the gold glove at Georgetown. <laughs> like back to back to back updates. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Doing baseball? Yeah. No, it's like, well, you know, where's Fairfax County going? By the way, Juan Soto's got himself a silver slugger and you're, you're thinking about, well, you know, that's, that's another problem, right? I mean, tonight we're going to hear about the MVP award and there's an NFL game on. And what, what was happening last night? Wednesday night, there was nothing on. There's no sports on last night. You know, action. The, yeah, but um, yeah, Kent State and Akron's not taking the shine <laughs> off of you know, off of this. At least you have a chance. Give yourself a fighting chance, right? I, I mean, as opposed to tonight, where you know, I, I, I'm sure there's gonna be reruns of Masters coverage for people who missed it during the day because obviously it's on in the morning with with the time change, and also too, you know, you're gonna have I mean, you're gonna have a football game tonight. You have two football games and a college football game as well. And to not not to pile on because this doesn't really affect it. But like, if all the Thursday night footballs, you didn't even pick 
the bad Thursday night football game. You pick the one that's Colts Titans. That's an actual like legitimate NFL game on a Thursday night to try it. It's unbelievable. They could not be managed worse in situations like this, where it's like, yeah, a lot of teams just like people are like, oh, you got to trust your coach. Well, like, how can the Jets trust Adam Gase? How can Major League Baseball trust Rob Manfred to keep making decisions if these are the decisions that come out of it? It's, and here's it's the thing: I I've talked about this a bunch, but I give him a pass normally because I think a lot of times. Uh, Tough job. A lot of times commissioners are a reflection of what, what ownership is, right? And that's that's a lot of times. He is not always that because there are many times where he publicly just like needs to not do what he does. And he just like, he, he does the opposite of what you tell somebody to do in a PR class. You'd be like, Rob, do not go out there and say that, you know, you're, you're after a week after saying you're 100% sure we're going to have a season. Don't go out and say, well, I'm not so sure now. Don't do that. And he's like, I think I'm going to go out and tell the tell the world that I'm not sure if there's going to be a season. That doesn't reflect poorly on the players. It looks bad on you, dumbass. Like, I don't, why doesn't he understand this? It, it just, it's simple stuff. It's really simple stuff. And I well, know and the, it, I, the World Series wasn't his fault, too, with the, with the bad mic. But then you have him making the comment, Justin Turner's in isolation. And in 20 minutes, we're seeing photos of him in the field kissing his wife. And it's like, dude, get a grip. No, like, have a clue about what's going on. Of all the people who like lead you through what this situation that we're currently in, like I don't think Rob Manfred is exactly the the person people. He's like last on the for. list, and yeah, he's like last on the he's list. He's like last on my list. Well, <laughs> like Donald and Trump and the then fact him. that like the 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 board of trustees or whoever ends up making the decision about okay when are we going to release gold gloves let's sit in the room we're going to call a conference we're going to order papa john's we're going to have a stack of pizzas in the corner we're going to we're going to decide on this and they're sitting there eating eating their pizza and they're like ooh i know when election night yeah <laughs> let's take like, the american people's minds off of the election no it's not going to happen no it's not it's not it's it to twitter twitter is is endless election coverage mixed in with like you know, you know yeah, the gold glove in right field. Like, yeah, you know, it's yes, I, I am 100% with you. It was, you know, all that coverage is up. Tucker Barnhart's National League gold, you know, was won a National League yeah, gold, won glove. Platinum gold glove final. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> um, let's let's get to the awards on the gold glove side. Anything that's, I mean, these are always a little bit up for, you know, up for debate. Well, and, I mean, this year a little less so than usual because this year was entirely statistically driven. So, like, they, yeah. What they usually use is like, you know, a guide for voters. Now it's just like, this is what's deciding the award. Uh, I think the debate to be had here is like, if they're going to use that same, you know, Sabre stat moving forward with the extended seasons. I mean, it seems like a very easy way. The The problem with the, with that, with the one stat is, um, first of all, I think grading every position on the same stat seems a little, a little interesting. And secondly, it's like, well, there's not very much suspense if a player can, you know, log on or if some if a fan can log on to fan graphs in the middle of the season and see, okay, this guy's going to win the gold glove because he has a lead in the stat. Like that just seems I don't know, it seems like they're taking a lot of suspense out of it when the whole purpose of awards is is voting for for whoever to win. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar and builtbar.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The new and improved Built Bar has 6 new flavors including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barchia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Those go along with their 12 original flavors, all of them with chocolate, six with nut, six without nut, coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, orange, toffee almond, coconut, and my favorite, peanut butter brownie. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get 20% off 
on your next order. Once again, BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on. You also have a chance to win a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on for 20% off. Uh, it's interesting. Seven players won silver sluggers in uh, seven different teams, rather. Uh, players from seven different teams won silver sluggers in the American League. In the National League, it was five. And I mean, uh, Donovan Solano at second base was the was the except was like the one uh, the Giants and then, and and also to Juan Soto the Nationals. They're like the only singles. Uh, the Braves had let's see right here four guys win. Dodgers had one Padres had two. So, I mean, the national league, not a whole lot of variation. Uh, you, it, it's been pretty clear for a while. National league's pretty top heavy. And I know you, you as somebody who worked for the Cubs too, can acknowledge there's not as much a spreading of the wealth in the NL is there. I mean, it was very obvious who the what three best teams in the national league were this year, the Padres, Dodgers, Braves. Like, I don't think, and even, even, I mean, there's even a giant gap between the like the Padres and Braves would have gone, you know, seven games or whatever if they'd have played in the series. But I mean, there, there's even a giant gap between the Dodgers and Braves. So I mean, it's kind of funny to look back and think how quickly not a giant gap, not a giant gap. How quickly you have, how quickly you can forget. I mean, the Braves were up three games to one in yeah, the series. Not a like, giant how quickly gap. you can forget the the Rays were up three games to none, lost three straight games just to win Game Seven in the ALCS. So it's crazy how different. Uh, I mean, we're two Game Sevens away from that being a Braves. Braves uh, Astros World Series. So it's crazy how soon you can look back. But I mean, on paper, throughout the regular season, the Dodgers were far and away the best team in baseball, and as they have been for the last five years. So, manager for the for the awards for manager of the year, Mattingly and Kevin Cash, there really can't be a whole lot. I mean, I know hindsight's 2020, and Kevin Cash is still get is still going to take flack and will for a long time for the uh, the decision to put Nick Anderson in the game for Blake Snell. Obviously, you know, we separate those kinds of things when we vote. But um, the right, the right on both accounts, you know, with, well, with Don Mattingly especially too. Since what the middle of August, I think Don Mattingly's pretty much been the unanimous uh, National League. I don't know if I don't know if he was unanimous, but if he wasn't, I mean, he took a team that already stunk, got the everybody to test positive for COVID at the beginning of the season, has played two games, and everyone else is like two weeks into the season, and takes a team like I previously said that was already terrible and took them to the playoffs and won a playoff series. Uh, on the road at Wrigley Field, so I mean that, that, that he should have been the like I I don't know if there's there's not like degrees to unanimous, but like he should have been the most unanimous, super unanimous. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like everybody in the world should have voted for Don Mattingly to win National League Coach. Uh, they played forty nine thousand seven game doubleheaders and in on on their way to doing so, and yeah, I mean. You know, they I mean, score one thing if they were like already the Dodgers, they weren't supposed to be anything and then got the biggest no. speed bump ever given in the middle of a major league baseball season until the Cardinals got one. Well, know, and, and, you know, they're they're yeah. in a top of this all the time. They're in a division where they the, the team that didn't make the playoffs were the reigning World Series, you know, champion nationals, the Phillies and Mets who went out and spent a lot of money and both teams that they think should be playoff teams and the Marlins get past them both. Right. And the Marlins are able to, to and um, not super not all the way comfortable, comfortable, but like there, there was a gap and they were ahead for a good amount of time. Right. And they I, were, I don't think they always were right there in a playoff spot from like the 10. I don't think they were ever under right. 500 the entire season. They were one and one. And then what's, what else is funny. They were like five and one at one point or six and one. And it was the farthest into the season, seven games in national in Marlins history. They actually led a division. So mm-hmm. you setting records all over the place. Don Mattingly. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Um, then we go to rookies of the year. And the first one we have to do is this is actually the one where there was some contention, right? Devin Williams 
He is the nationally rookie of the year. He got 53 strikeouts against 100 batters face. Um, and he posted a .33 ERA, a .090 batting average against the issue people have is the sample size. What say you, Corbin? I say the sample size is a, what was it, a 60-game regular season? I don't yep. think you can really dog him for a sample size here. I know a lot of the other votes came in. What's funny is the people that got the most votes were Jake Cronenworth and um, and Devin Williams. And the four media members that voted from San Diego and from Milwaukee voted for Alec Bohm to win <laughs> the uh, rookie of the year. So this was this was far from unanimous. There was there was four different people got first place first place votes. Cronenworth, Bohm, Williams, and uh, Tony Gonzalez actually got a first place vote as well. So far from unanimous. But I mean, Devin Williams faced twenty three batters multiple times this season. Eighteen of them struck out at least once. His changeup was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, as somebody, I mean, you put Josh Hader back in that bullpen and then you give them Devin Williams. Like that, that's very, very unfair from a get to the eighth inning trailing against the Brewers perspective. Uh, I mean, you can complain about sample size all you want. First of all, it's not the MVP. It's rookie of the year. And second of all, uh, 60 game season. So look, I'm all for rookies uh, or rookies of it. Pitchers infringing on wards like rookie of the year and an MVP. I love that. It makes me happy because it makes some people just really angry. Like, like, because that's the argument in even normal well, seasons. It's, it's right? just like when, it, when it, like defender goes to the goes to New York for the Heisman ceremony. It's like this is you know you know this is an offensive player of the year award. Like, yeah, or best well, I like that. The I mean, send send me you know send me players like that. Like I wanted that Oliver to go to to get to go to New York <laughs> yeah. back when he played on Houston. I was always for that. Um, you know, Aaron Donald. Like I'm you know why isn't he being considered for MVP? He's been the I mean. He's, the most dominant player in the league this well, year, right? The MVP is the quarterback of the year award. Yeah, it's just fancy words for it, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that is that is what MVP stands it's for, It's MVQBP, right? most valuable right, quarterback right. player of the year. Right. Montana impersonator of the year is what that is. Uh, <laughs> American League, Kyle Lewis. This one, he was unanimous. That one was pretty easy. And it's hilarious because I believe that 90%, uh, I mean, like, I've, I mean, I can't tell you I sat down and watched a Mariners game this year. Uh, mostly because you know I'm I cover a team that is in Washington not D.C. The Mariners and every I obviously watched way, him not the Seattle Mariners. Retro, retrospectively, <laughs> I've watched him, but I can't say you know I watch Kyle Lewis religiously. But um, yeah, guy wins the award and nobody watched him play. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about That's it. That's a summary of Major League Baseball. It'd be it'd be a shame if he went on to be the giant, the biggest superstar in Major League Baseball, and then you know lived in Seattle his entire life. Um, but. Tough. Kyle Lewis, actually, I know I've come on here for gambling before. He ran off at 50-1 to 1 to win Rookie of the Year uh, on opening day. So, Kyle Lewis coming through for the people that backed him. Uh, he was excellent the first 15 which fifteen games, which is actually a quarter of, <laughs> of the season. And then he kind of settled down. But Luis Robert, who was like two for his last 90,000 in the season, really helped out Kyle Lewis by doing absolutely nothing in September. So, Kyle Lewis, I mean, his relatively pedestrian numbers for a rookie of the year, but his WAR one point four, he was excellent defensively. Uh, he robbed, I think, two or three, two or three like home runs that were all over, you know. And that that that's how you win those awards is is not necessarily being the best defender day in and day out. It's providing highlights for Twitter and that kind of stuff is how hitting you hitting tanks, know, Corbett, hitting that that as well. He didn't but, hit a ton of tanks this year, but he but he he, is, he had eleven homers, which it yeah, was which that, is pretty decent. That plays yeah. out to about twenty five over the course of one hundred sixty right. game season, so. And I mean, plenty good enough to win rookie of the year. It's not like somebody else couldn't have come and gotten it, but there weren't a lot of great rookies in the American League this year. We move on to Cy Young, and it's Trevor Bauer from the National League. We'll start with him because his was, you know, his was 
Not as disputed, but uh, I mean, I thought he was, I thought he was clearly the best. I, I thought that was the right option, right? You Darvish, not completely slides towards the end of the year, right? But is not like lights out the best pitcher. You know, if you Darvish what's, what's funny early is pace, about Trevor Bauer winning Cy Young is that you Darvish is pretty much the front runner for, you know, 45, 50 games. And then Trevor Bauer's own Reds lit up you Darvish for five runs and like two and two thirds inflated that ERA. And then Trevor Bauer goes on to win the Cy Young. So, I mean, you Darvish had, he was nowhere near as good at the end of the season, but he still had like a 200, 212 or, or 112 to, to 20 walk strikeout to walk ratio, something ridiculous. Uh, and it just, he kind of faded towards the end of the season. The Reds offense, which did nothing in the playoffs, really helped out. Well, it did nothing all uh, year. It was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty bad all year. Yeah. I uh, helped out, uh, helped out Trevor Bauer with inflating you Darvish's ERA. And um, yeah, Trevor Bauer wins the award. Now. And DeGrom, DeGrom too. He well, was there for part, actually is the fact that Trevor Bauer is the first Cy Young Award winner in the history of the Cincinnati Reds. Yes. You've been you're the oldest baseball organization in the world and or in America. You're the oldest team in Major League Baseball. You've played every season of Major League Baseball and and never had a Cy Young Award winner, which is pretty crazy. But yeah, it's a historic franchise and they don't have a Cy Young Award winner. Uh, it is surprising, but you know, not like the most crazy thing in the world. Surprise Bronson Arroyo didn't get one during his time with the uh with Aaron the Harang, yeah, Aaron Harang, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think Degrom was up there just because the you know there are people who are like can he get three in a row? And maybe during a longer season, you know, you know, I think I'd like his chances to probably get it, um, just because the pace he was setting with the with the strikeouts and that was going to be you know, it was going to be got to go seven and twelve and win the Zion Young. Yeah, yeah like, well, it's not his fault. <laughs> not his fault. American League now. Shane Bieber, who I think should be the odds-on favorite to win the MVP of the American League. Uh oh, pitchers infringing on play. On pitchers infringe, please. Go, Shane. Go. Come <laughs> on, media members. There's no yeah. way he wins it. He's not going to win it. Um, they they love hitting way too much, and it's like Jose Abreu. Well, they love Mike Trout way too much, so he's not I mean, going to win it. There's no, but, way no, but what, what worst case scenario that goes to Mike Trout? We can't win. He's not a finalist. Yeah, <laughs> he's not a finalist. He can't win. Um, <laughs> Shane Bieber, an excellent season. I could go off, go through all the numbers. Everybody, everybody misses. Unanimous, unanimous MVP, right decision, Corbett. Yes. Unanimous Cy Young. So you're going to out unanimous. Cy MVP Young, sorry, unanimous. Unanimous yeah. Cy Young. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he led the American League in every meaningful stat and had some of the best, you know, Elizabeth the best American League ERA in however long, however many decades. Like, I don't think it was really close. If you watched him. You could talk about spin rate on his curveball and all these different things. All the all the people love to talk about. Watch the dude. I mean, no one was ever hitting him all season long. Uh, it wasn't close. I mean, the White Sox, who had one of the best lineups in baseball all year long, got shut down like three times in two weeks against him. It's not even a question who should have won American League Cy Young. Yeah, I agree. And uh, that kind of spins us forward towards MVP. In the National League, your three, uh, your three finalists, rather. I'm trying to pull it up right now. Do-do-do. Uh, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Manny Machado, right? It was hilarious how everybody talked all year about Fernando Tatis Jr., and it turned out he wasn't even the best player on his own team. Uh, everybody <laughs> everybody kind of came around towards that uh, at the end of the year. In my opinion here, it is Freeman. I think it should be pretty clearly Freeman. I know Betts had a good season. I know his team won the World Series, yada, yada, yada. Uh, my opinion is it was it's Freddie Freeman. I think he was the best player all season long. Uh, on an offense that needed him to be right. It was a good offense, but he was the centerpiece. He was the focal point. He did everything this season. Uh, went through a tough stretch power wise early on, then got hot and 
he and Ozuna just made for an incredible duo, but he made that he made that thing go this year for that that Braves offense. Yeah, I think the voting takes place probably in between the regular season and the postseason. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. They usually don't want to include postseason stats on uh, in that kind you of stuff. Not. But uh, he also performed best when it mattered most too. In the NLCS, he comes out, hits first inning home run, he hits home runs all over the NLCS. He actually had a better NLCS than Mookie Betts did. Um, but I would, yeah, Freddie Freeman is probably going to win the award. Uh, if you can kind of read into like think pieces of people who actually vote for stuff like this and almost all of their, you know, articles and the stuff coming out, it's like, okay, why is Fred, why Freddie Freeman is going to win the national league MVP? Why this, why that? So it, a lot of it's leading into Freddie Freeman winning. Uh, he's been really good for a long time and he's about, you know, he's getting his due, I guess you could say this year uh, with winning that, winning that MVP award. He was great all season long. Uh American League, and I know Shane Bieber. Look, I know he's not a finalist, okay? I know he wasn't named as a finalist. But let's – somebody just sneak votes in for him anyway, okay? Somebody – you know, he's going to – I mean, he's going to end up finishing in the top five, I believe. Remember when you said he wasn't even the best player on his own team about uh, about Fernando Tatis? Jose yeah. Ramirez is a finalist. <laughs> yeah, Jose, <laughs> the best player on his own team. There we go. There's more of that. Um Trevor Bauer is not, Bauer, the best, is not the most valuable player on his own team. Well, I just read, I'm not sure why I said, I'm reading the, long, wrong, the wrong list. I said Trevor Bauer. Jose Abreu, DJ LeMahieu, and Jose Ramirez. So, number one, I, I did not realize that Jose Abreu was 33 until today. Uh, I keep forgetting that he came from Cuba, so it kind of got a later start. And then I'm, I'm kind of more towards DJ LeMahieu here. I don't know. I mean, I, I, this one, I feel like you're, you're splitting hairs with those two guys. I think Abreu's going to win it, but I feel like LeMahieu had the offensive season, especially with everybody going down and in and out around him. The season that he had, kind of being the steady point, the focal point of that offense, deserved a lot of credit. Uh, I think he deserved a lot of, you know, also too, he's not one of those, you know, like I was talking to RJ Anderson from CBS Sports yesterday, not one of those long launch angle guys, right? One of the guys, the lowest launch angle in the league, guy who hits a lot of ground balls, but he's just a damn good hitter. He's just a damn good hitter. Yeah, I would – first of all, I think D.J. LeMahieu is one of the best free agents in a very long time. Like, I, you could talk about the Bryce Harpers of the world. D.J. LeMahieu is like a cure-all for an offense. Like, you could put him in there, and, like, he's going to be on base, period. Like, that is just how things – and, like, a lot of things, like, the Cubs offense needs that. The Braves offense could use it at the top when, you know, Acuna's 0 for 98. Like, a lot of those go – a lot of those work, and I think D.J. LeMahieu is going to get a ton of money. I saw some people saying he should have taken that – $18.9 million Hell qualifying no, offer. No. He's going to get so much money. It's going to be ridiculous, DJ LeMahieu. Um, but as far as MVP, I feel like the talk, I feel like Jose Breu is not going to win for the same reason that NBA players don't win MVPs, and that's because if there's a superstars around them. I mean, how many good players are in Jose Breu's offense? Like, I don't know if anyone's necessarily stealing MVP votes, but, like, when you look around him, Tim Anderson, Luis Robert, who I just spent time bashing earlier in the episode. Juan Moncada. <laughs> like, there's there's tons of offense around him. Like, Jose Ramirez, without him, the Indians offense would have been one of the, one of the worst offenses statistically in a very long time. Like, Jose right. Ramirez cured, um, basically cured that offense. Love and the DJ best hitter around LeMahieu, the best hitter around, I know it's the Yankees, but the best hitter around LeMahieu for most of the season was Luke Voigt. Who led the American League home runs. So, I mean, saying <laughs> it's, well, you know, if, yes, but I just mean, you know, not Aaron Judge. I, I understand. Yeah, not Aaron um, Judge, not John Carlos Stanton, you know, <laughs> just another guy who happened to play for the Yankees and lead the league in home runs. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is far more in the open, I think, than the National League. I, I that, think yeah, I think it's, that's kind of what I'm, I'm learning from our conversation about it. It's like guys are kind of in a similar spot. I mean, I'd be shocked if Jose Ramirez won it, but I, I do think, I mean, he's, Jose Ramirez is one of those guys, it's like you just watch him and like, 
he doesn't it doesn't do it for me. Like you yeah, watch no. him, it's like he's nah. not he's, no, there's no way near there's no way he's an MVP. But you just look at his numbers in the you're like, ah, I guess, but you never watch him. Yeah, you're right, you never I mean, jumps like, up. It's the Indian like, you watch Yankees like games, nine thousand feet straight away center. Like you what? watch Yankees games and you're like, Oh my god, DJ LeMayhew. Like this guy is just so damn good at hitting. And then the same thing for Jose Abreu, like he had that just awesome stretch in the middle of the season where you're like, Oh my God, this oh, guy's thought at Wrigley Field firsthand. So I don't guys know, in, the like, guy's just fire right now. He's on fire. So I think that one's close. Who wins it though? Uh, tomorrow will tomorrow morning, the MVP is when this thing airs. Who's your MVP? Man, that's tough. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with the uh neither Jose. I'm gonna go with DJ LeMayhew. Uh Yankees, obviously, main, you know, they're the Yankees, and and the way he wins MVP, that's my guess. And you're going to have, that would mean you have a, an MVP and a Cy Young in free agency, which would be. I'm going to go with awesome. LeMahieu in the American League and then Freeman in the National League. You think Freeman National League? Yeah, for Freeman wins it. Freeman wins it. Close to you, based on what the stuff that I'm talking about. All right, Corbett. Uh, where can people find you and your work? Uh, it's at. Corbett underscore post slack on Twitter. Actually, I had to check that because I had to check that before you asked. Uh, I just forgot, basically. Yeah, uh, at Corbett underscore post slack on Twitter. All right, Corbett, we appreciate your time. All righty, yeah, it's great coming on.